0: I'm Siobhan Lave, coach and strategist to bakers. I help bakers move from feeling overwhelmed, juggling all the things, to being the CEO of their business. Maybe you've started baking as a hobby and you're at a point where this hobby is now turning into a business, or you've already turned your passion for baking into a business, but you're looking to get to the next level. Buttercream recipes, cake tutorials, and sugar cookie classes can only get you so far. It takes real business skills and marketing strategies to be a successful business. When you're ready to become the CEO of your business and work on your business rather than in it, join me here where I share with you industry secrets that I've learned from marketing and business courses, working with mentors and coaches, and my experiences of almost a decade in the baking industry. This is the CEO Baker podcast. Welcome, Jess. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast. And we're looking forward to just learning all about what life coaching is. So we're going to jump into it. Tell me what led you to being a life coach and what does a life coach actually do? And how would I know if I need one? Cause I'm almost certain that everyone would need a life coach. Sure.
1: Um, so my roots are actually in therapy as a therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I started out in the field of corrections, but even before that I worked with kids. And then I pivoted to working with adults in corrections. I have a pretty extensive background in, um, I guess I was kind of known for as a therapist being able to work with all the people that are typically considered difficult. Um, And I loved it and I really enjoyed it. I joined the military actually when I was 32 years old I was seeing a lot of veterans kind of come up on my caseload. And so I wanted to be part of the solution. How do I proactively prevent veterans from getting out of the military and then getting caught up in the criminal justice system? So I actually commissioned in as a behavioral health officer and served five years as a therapist. I got out to pivot to coaching and I, what I love about coaching kind of versus therapy is as a therapist, you're really working to help heal the past. What kind of wounds happened prior to wherever that whatever caused us to start doing therapy, um, what happened there? And really kind of reconciling and understanding that in healing those in order to um, be able to better function and whatever area that we want to, whether that's personal or career. What fascinates me about coaching though, is it's like, well, what, what happens after therapy? What do you do once you're healed? Once you feel as though you're ready to take that knowledge and kind of move on in the world. And actually, I also want to kind of touch base on that word healed too, because healing is a journey. I don't believe it's like you ever reach this mountain of i'm fully healed this is great like nothing nothing bad is ever going to happen to me again and also these old wounds are never going to open again i think the more we can embrace that healing is a journey different layers come up at different times and actually it's it's not a bad thing when we're moving through life and something kind of reminds us of something previously painful that we went through, it can be a a, a time to pause for reflection. Wow, look at how far I've come. Look at where I am now. Look at how differently I'm responding to these events that, you know, previously might have really derailed me. Um, And so coaching allows me to be able to work with somebody like what do, we, what do we want moving forward? Mm-hmm. What do you want your life to look like? How do you want to move through the world in a way that's going to be intentional and aligned with the product you want to put out there, whether that's in baking or um, a service project or anything like that. And so I think about coaches really help you back up From your life. So if you think about a puzzle, right, like the first thing you do, you have to dump out the box and mess everything up and tease out the edges, lump things up and first, you know, with colors and you have a picture of how you're going to put these things together. And that can be really hard to do when you're living in your life and everything feels really raw and really close. A life coach really helps you zoom out and gain a different and new perspective on your life and then be able to make choices from there.
0: Yeah, I love that. It almost sounds like therapy is more so like being reactive and coaching is like you're being proactive. You're trying to take the steps to do whatever it is you want in your future or in your present self. And I love how you said that healing is a journey because mm-hmm. I dealt with that a lot where you think like, okay, I, I passed that. I'm past that level. I'm never going to get into anxiety again or whatever it is, right? And then you're like, why am I in here again? Yeah. And it's, it's life. It's, um, I think like hard things never just go away with every journey, with every thing that we're taught, with every lesson, it's like we learn how to do this journey of life better. Or we have more tools under our belt, maybe.
1: Yeah. And tools come with experience, right? Like what works with us for, for us for a really long time it's not that it stops working, it's just that we need an adjustment. And sometimes we go right to this place of like, oh, I gotta start from ground zero again, when we experience hardships and that's never the case. It is impossible for us to go back to, you know, exactly where we've been before and certainly impossible to go worse. It really is. Not if we're moving through life. One of my specialties as a life coach, because of my background in therapy, and one of the things I really pride myself on, because I do tend to work with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs who are struggling with Mm self-sabotage, comparing and despairing, looking at somebody, oh, their Instagram looks so much better than mine. Oh, they're saying all these original things. I don't have anything to say. Fear of being seen. All of those kind of stories that we tell ourselves that mm-hmm. that keep us small. Um, I really specialize in helping people recognize you're a human first, service-based entrepreneur second. And that goes for coaches. Yeah. I happen to work with a lot of coaches who are really scared of that because of this. They think, oh, if I show that I am struggling with this human emotion, it means I'm not as good as I thought I was or other people are going to think that I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm full of crap, or they're gonna feel really um, disheartened or disillusioned. And I think one of the things I really excel at is being able to embrace all of these parts of me Mm -hmm. because it is the anxiety and the stress and the fear that makes me courageous and confident and resilient. I can't have one without the other. So I might as well embrace the whole bunch and push forward from there. Knowing you, that doesn't mean I don't have, like, it, it feels great, right? It's not like I automatically go to this place of, okay, I know this is normal. Like, when you're in it, it can feel, you can feel spun up. I still have a lot of human emotions, but I also know what to do, who to ask for and support, yeah. how to take the next steps.
0: I love that. And since we're talking about tools, and resources. I know that you practice EFT tapping and I just learned about EFT tapping maybe a year ago, maybe two years at the most. And I practiced it probably twice, not really knowing what I'm doing or (laughs) what it is, but I'm sure some of our listeners have no idea what EFT tapping is. So can you tell me more about what is it
1: and how you work with that tool? Yeah, totally. So EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques, and it involves tapping on um, areas of your body known as energy meridian points. And in a nutshell, I'm not going to get super scientific with this. What we're doing when we're tapping on these points is we're calming the central nervous system, specifically the amygdala, which is that part of our brain where our fight, flight, on response is housed. And that's one part of EFT. You're tapping on these areas, the energy meridian points. They're very similar to points used in acupressure and acupuncture, except you're using your own fingertips, not needles or nobody else's needing to touch you. Along with that, while tapping on these points, you're giving voice to the truth of how you feel about something. And then we're combining that with an affirmation of acceptance. So a setup statement um, would be again, acknowledging how you feel about something. So even though I'm really nervous about being in Siobhan's podcast, because what if I don't you know, say all my words perfectly and everybody doesn't understand exactly what I'm trying to say. And every time I think about speaking and not getting it right, I feel, sick to my stomach. Well, I accept myself and I honor how I'm feeling. So in EFT, that's traditionally how you would create your unique setup statement. You think about what is it that I'm feeling about the task in front of me, or what what am I thinking about that? Is there a place I might feel it in my body? And even though I'm feeling all that, I'm accepting myself even with that. So the idea being that when we accept ourselves for our flaws, for our fears, for our neuroses and all of that, instead of waiting to be better or be healed or be whole, that's how we ultimately kind of accept us for exactly who we are. And then we're able to release that. So we don't have to wait, but it involves like being honest with ourselves about what our fears might be. If you've ever heard the quote, um, I think it's Tony Robbins, like what what we resist persists. And so thinking about that, we tend to be like, I don't need to think about that or we're done. We're healed. We're not thinking about that anymore. And then there's like these parts of us that are not on board with that, right? They're like running the show because we're ignoring it, but then we're feeling nervous all the time, and it's because there's some part of us that just needs to have a little attention. Mm-hmm. To do it, I like to. It's almost like that movie. Um, what was the Pixar movie with all the little emotions? Yeah. Um, upside down.
0: I, don't know. I can see it in my
1: my head. Is it upside down? Uh, something like that. Um, But anyway, the idea is all of these emotions like make us up. I like to think of like, you know, when I'm feeling really scared or anxious, like there's some little part of me and I treat it just like a little kid. And I wouldn't go up to a three-year-old and be like, oh, shut up. What are you crying about? If they're really scared, I would just say, hey, you know, this isn't we don't need to be scared about this anymore. Maybe give them a hug or a little pat on the back. And that's how I treat my emotions. Like, hey, what are you trying to tell me? Do we need to be scared of this? Yeah. Yes or no? Typically the answer, and generally, as we move through life, the answer is no. But when we don't even give ourselves the time to explore that, we just say, ugh, why are you anxious again? This is so dumb. Yeah. We should be anxious about that. We minimize how we feel
0: yeah minimizing i like that word so like i think half of the journey of being like in a state where it's just like just not a good state that you don't want to be in it's not your best self and i think half half of the journey the halfway like through it is that awareness mm-hmm. and i can see how eft just knowing that that's a tool that you have within yourself all the time um it's being honest being truthful, being aware with how you're feeling so you can address it. Um, I remember like when I didn't feel so great, what I would try to do was just like kind of push the awareness away. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't acknowledging it. I was just in that state of why am I here? And I need to get out of here as soon as possible, but not really sitting in it and allowing myself to go through those
1: feelings. Totally. And, and it's, Oftentimes our thoughts about what we might go through, if we allow ourselves to feel our feels, that makes everything worse, right? When really, ultimately, if we just spend some time exploring, what, what does this maybe remind me of? Or does it remind me of a different time in my life? And we can gain that awareness and understanding and be like, oh, well, of course, I'm feeling like this right now. I remember when this happened to me before, but hey brain, we don't think this way anymore, or we're a different person now, or we've got different coping skills. So, I hear that you're scared because you remember this past event that happened, but that doesn't have to be the case with this. And then mm-hmm. move forward. That's like the ultimate self compassion. And right. I talk a lot about space and grace with my clients, and I think of that, I think of space in the term of time. Back up. Give ourselves time, space to question our thoughts. Is this true? What am I telling myself about this thought? And then grace in terms of compassion. How can I give myself a whole lot of love, um, exactly as I am in this moment? What do I need? And then so for EFT, like
0: um, when are you practicing it? Like just whenever you're having to like shift your energy. So.
1: I don't wait, I wake up every morning and I do some form of EFT. Granted, as with anything, like EFT, it is important for me to note, it's a self-healing modality. Um, It is something you can use on your own. I highly recommend it. I have a workbook that I've developed that I give for free for people to learn how to craft their own setup statements. There's a great app called The Tapping Solution. That I recommend to everybody, you would turn to somebody certified in EFT as I am when you come up against something that it just feels too big for you to get through, or maybe it's like a chronic anxiety or a chronic event or thoughts that just feel so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you would come and see a practitioner to get some help. And I apply it like Deep dive, we figure out what are the core experiences that happened typically in childhood that caused your brain to keep, continue to go seeking the same experiences in every event. And by finding those, I also use something called matrix reimprinting with EFT, which literally changes the way we recall past experiences. So I like to joke that I'm a time traveler. Um, <laughs> And, and I just do lots of cool energy work around that stuff. So you don't have to tap every single day on the same emotion, but to get back to your uh, point about when you would do this. So let's give an example of, let's say you're an anxious public speaker, Mm -hmm. or is there an example you could give me that, you know, your listeners kind of often experience or Yeah.
0: So one thing is like they don't want to show up in front of the camera or like on Instagram stories because they don't want to show their face and whatnot.
1: Yes. So for that example, um, think about how you feel. I would think about how I feel about showing up. I've got this Instagram live I decided I was going to do tomorrow and I'm really nervous about it. So then it would be, even though I'm really anxious about doing this Instagram live tomorrow, well, what what am I scared is going to happen on the Instagram live? It is always going to come back to judgment, right? Somebody's not going to like what I say. And so being able to just give honor to that, I'm scared that, like, just continue to investigate it, right? Thinking about this Instagram live. When I think about getting on this Instagram live, I feel sick to my stomach. I'm gonna mess up my words. People aren't gonna get it. People, they're all gonna laugh at me. Um, nobody's gonna like it. You know, what, what's worse? I don't know, do we want people to watch our lives? Do we not want, right? Like it's so confusing. And so being able, the moment you start sensing that resistance come up for you, I'm doing this Instagram live tomorrow, I'm already feeling kind of wonky about it start tapping then. Don't wait until you're in crisis mode to do anything. And that's my best advice for anything. The more we slow down, give ourselves space and grace to investigate what is going on with us to get that awareness that you talked about before, then we can come up with a plan. But if we're not allowing that and we're ignoring mounting signals in our body going on, um, overwhelming thoughts, Things like that, then things start feeling pretty messy.
0: Can I tell you a story? So, yes, it was this year. I had to kind of think when it was. And I went through this phase of a really, really bad vertical attacks. It, one of the attacks were so bad. I think it was like within a two-week time frame. One was so bad that I had, it was when I was in the car, I was driving, I had my kids with me and my grandma. And I could feel it coming on, like I was getting like dizzy and whatnot. And it felt as though I was going to just pass out. And so I had my grandma call the call 911. It was like this really big thing. And like, I remember thinking to myself, like, I am not going to die in front of my kids and my my grandma. Like there is no way that I'm going to pass out and this, this happens, you know, like, this is the things that I'm thinking. So anyway, had that trauma and I guess, yeah, I didn't realize it was a trauma, a traumatic event. Yeah, totally. I dealt with like dizziness when I drove months for months later and after how many visits to like the doctors, to an ENT, to who did i last end up with i don't even remember who i last ended up with i think it was um yeah i don't remember what kind of doctor it was but he kind of boiled it down to it was it, it there was this name a medical term but basically it was like my brain like going through whenever i'm in that same situation yes my brain is thinking it's going to happen so yes i'm physically feeling it But it's not actually going to happen. So it took months for me to kind of just talk myself out of the feeling.
1: And if I had used EFT back then. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, now, you know, because it's EFT can be great with things like pain or um, recovery from surgeries. I just worked with somebody this morning on going to the dentist um because it 's so scary, right, and we have all of these thoughts, and so when somebody comes to me and they have they 're having pain, well, if you use eFt to address all the thoughts around pain or or a medical diagnosis, then physicians are just left with the actual diagnosis to treat, right so when we 're given um uh scary diagnosis, but vertigo even, right? And then you see your car and all of those emotions come up. Your body is remembering. Remember that time we were in the car and we thought we were gonna die and the kids and my grandma were gonna see that? And it's, it's like, I like to think of it energetically like this piece of us peels off during a moment of trauma because what you described is absolutely a traumatic event. And it's kind of hovering in our energy field, which every single one of us has. And I'm a really visual person. So I think of it almost like Groundhog Day. This piece of us is living in Groundhog Day and they're living the same loop again and again and again. So with EFT, we would go in a deeper dive. I would walk you through the points of that event that were terrifying in that moment. We would tap on each one of those and then it integrates. That part of you into the whole, and um, and you're no longer that part of you is no longer like living there, freaking out every time it sees a car or is at that intersection or gets put in a situation where it feels remotely like yes. I'm dizzy in a car and now all of this is going to happen. Don't you remember what happened last time? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember
0: the doctor is like, well, as long as you're able to talk yourself out of it, he's like, that's amazing. Like, you don't need to go to therapy. Yeah. For that. And I remember it was a rough, it was a rough almost year, you know, <laughs> of just having those feelings. And I want to say I finally, I'm finally through it, but sometimes it'll come up a, a little, very slightly. And I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. It's, it's not here. I'm Okay. And I can continue to just drive, you know, yeah. without
1: spinning into something. Well, we can definitely talk some time. I can give you <laughs> BFT, so you don't have to, so it can just go away.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to normal program, <laughs> yeah. what is the most common thing or thought that keeps people from achieving their dreams? Because I often hear I guess people questioning like if they're worthy, if they're enough, um, all these ifs, ands, and buts for achieving their dreams, their passions.
1: Yeah. And I think that it, when you're questioning that, like being able to sit back and well, like, what does that even mean? Worthy enough for who? Enough for who? it's always gonna come back to how we view ourselves, right? And the more that we get in touch with that and stop seeking this external validation and recognize when we say that to ourselves, like I'm not worthy, well, who is? What does that look like? Like be curious Mm -hmm. with your emotions. I'm a giant Ted Lasso fan and I, Bob, he kind of talked about this in the show, like, but one of my favorite quotes from that show, which I'd heard before, but it's be curious, not judgmental that goes for ourselves too. We catch ourselves judging other people it's ultimately something some kind of flaw that we're perceiving in ourselves either we wish we're comparing ourselves to somebody else and wishing that we were that or judging them because it's something we fear. That we see in us and so just recognizing like it's it's not even your first thought that that's the most important it's what comes after that like yeah. do i believe this yeah we don't we don't have to our brains are liars <laughs> like, yeah we don't have to believe the, the things we get to tell our brains what to think it's simultaneously like it's a simple concept we need some support and um practice to get there but ultimately like remembering that like I get to decide what I want to think how do I want to think about myself Mm -hmm. that is going to get me to fall in line with this goal that I have yeah and I
0: think like you had mentioned it earlier how a lot of our I guess thoughts and beliefs are rooted from childhood
1: experiences And can you
0: you go more into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are taught the way we think by authority figures when we're young, right? By parents, by teachers, by um, police officers, by TV shows, now throw social media in the mix where it feels like we're all damned, right? (laughs) um, But being able to move through the world and start questioning those things as we get older. Well, why do I have this thought that I'm unworthy? Do I believe that? Why might I believe it? Or what can I tell myself? Because I suspect that's probably not true, because that doesn't even make sense. And what do I want to believe instead? I say this time and time again to my clients. A belief is a thought that we practice. And so that's why it feels so profound because in childhood, we don't know that. We're three and our parents are constantly telling us like, you know,
0: money doesn't grow on
1: trees, right? Or like whatever. we hear that. And then especially adolescence when we start using our parents' phone bill and leaving the light switches on and using their car, right? I know I used to hear that from my dad all the time. Money doesn't grow on trees. And so that then there's this belief It happens quite often around money, particularly with entrepreneurs, right? Where we're just like, it can't possibly be easy to make money. It's always gonna be hard. It's gonna be a struggle. There's never gonna be enough. And so we kind of look for evidence that keeps us in that mindset instead of, well, is that really true? Could I think something different? Do I wanna think something different? And what thoughts do I need to practice Mm -hmm. that's going to make this a belief for me i'm 42 years old there's beliefs i've had for 42 years Mm -hmm. it's not going to change overnight and that's okay but it's the moment i catch myself oh jess you're telling yourself that old story yeah we don't believe that anymore remember and again just space to step back and do that and grace when you know we catch ourselves like three thoughts into the old way of thinking instead of going to this judgment oh we don't think that anymore <laughs> yeah. you're so dumb you forgot instead just being like hey remember yeah we don't think this way
0: anymore that's we'll, so we'll, funny we'll, it's we'll, like you know all the the tone the voice tones <laughs> of emotions <laughs> yeah nope i've been doing this a long time girl <laughs> all right so Um, We're nearing the end of our interview. So this is our last question. If you could leave our listeners with one solid mindset
1: shift or tip from a life coach, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's number one, your your brain is a liar just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. And you can take a step back and think like, is this true? Why do I think it's true? What do I want to believe instead that is going to help me move forward? Showing up as like the, the version of myself that I want to be, it takes practice, it takes practice and like, love yourself along the way and just enjoy it. And you're human. First. That. Yes. <laughs> and I like how
0: it's like, you know, what are you making it mean? So I remember I I, I must have this belief from I think so from my parents and I always believed that you have to work hard mm-hmm. to get the things to get the money to get the time to get whatever it is you want and I'm realizing like no it <laughs> you don't need to work hard like things can come easy and freely to me without you know thinking that I have to slave away for
1: like 80 hours a week totally and and that's something to question I hear this all the time I know we were talking about it before like that's hard well what do you mean when you say that because this is going to be hard isn't a reason not to do something right we do hard difficult things all of the time yeah like every every moment you know well, maybe not every moment of the day, but at least some hard thing, whether it's getting up in the morning or making yourself go to the gym or eating in a certain way or posting on something. Like, you know, just being able to be like, well, really is this or am I just telling myself that? And like I said, question everything. And that profound shift will change your life. I have a sticky that says, what am I gonna make this mean? that I'm yes. looking at as like right there because that is how that was one of the most profound life-changing questions in the past three years so much so it's obviously still in my board because it's so important what am I making this mean is this true
0: I love that thank you Jess and um, lastly where can our where can our listeners find you do you have a website do you what do you have coming up next tell us all about yeah, it.
1: yeah I have a super awesome website it's not published yet, but I, uh, I'm really excited about it. It's very fun and funny. That is what I am. <laughs> and so it very much, uh, shows up like me. It's not quite published yet. Everybody can look at what I have there now, just johnsoncoaching.com as well as on Instagram. I'm at, at seeking a great, perhaps one, and I'm on Facebook. Jess Kissane Johnson, Jess Johnson Coaching Services are the places I show up in social media. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the CEO Baker podcast. If you loved what you heard today, make sure you take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Tag me, at the CEO Baker. It would mean so much if you take a minute to leave a review. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe and come back every single week for more. For show notes, links, and other awesome resources, head to theceobaker.com slash podcast.